Myers Minute, where we delve into the 1978 horror classic Halloween one minute at a time. I'm your host, Robert Black. Minute 63 begins with a couple frames of the Wallace living room as Linda and Bob have headed for the stairs. Interior, Doyle House, night. Lori stands by the telephone. She walks to the window and glances out. Lori's POV, Wallace House. It is dark. Actually, the light from several windows, which doesn't make sense with the internal floor plan, which is, of course, a different house than the exterior, goes off after the cut, even though Bob already turned out the lamp. Second five, reverse on the Doyle house, which is a bad idea right here because we can see the windows with no blinds. Then second nine, angle on Laurie, and there are blinds. Voices from TV. Shall I shut down the current, sir? No, no, it stops now. And the timing is slightly off, but nothing to I to be goof about. Farman's line on Forbidden Planet in minute 62 was one minute nine seconds ago in Halloween time. One minute, twenty seconds ago, in Forbidden Planet time. Lori shrugs, turns away from the window, and walks back toward the couch. Voices from TV. Check over the whole system in the morning. Second 18, cut to interior Wallace bedroom, night. Sounds of lovemaking come from the bed. The only light is a jack-o'-lantern illuminating the sheets as they move slowly up and down and from side to side. Empty beer cans leave a trail from the door to the bed. Before we get back to that jack-o'-lantern, just wanted to note something from H40 back in October. Uh, PJ Souls um, talking about when she got off of the job. She got off of the job on the spot at the audition, and she helped pick Bob because she had nice chemistry with John Michael Grant. So then regarding this scene, PJ said, I thought that we were enthusiastic and robust. John says that John Carpenter thought we were a little too robust at first, and he wanted... Less realistic and more writhing. So, the unrealistic sex here is deliberate. I'm not sure why. Via ratings thing. In an article for Hollywood Reporter written by uh, Pamela McClintock. This was 2015. It's called So How Many Thrusts Get You an NC-17 Rating. This is 2015, so yeah, the standards would be a little different than 1978. However, where is it? Uh, she has a guideline. There's no clear rules that people have found, but there are standards you can go if you want to keep your R rating. Minimize the thrusting. It's that pelvic thrusting. Oh, I think there is definitely like a thrust number. Yeah. <laughs> you really go down to people counting thrust the amount, down. you know. Yes. Uh, the amount of... of actual thrusting. Quote, the difference... Between an R rating and an NC-17 often hinges on the amount of in and out action, according to those familiar with the ratings process. Three or four seconds you can get away with, says one source. Linger on it for 30 or 40 seconds and you're in NC-17 territory. And if a couple is completely naked, forget about it. Think of all those half-clad lovers you've seen on the big screen. I don't know about the specific standards or what they expected of the standards in 1978, but if you watch the writhing that they get from being less realistic, there is not much thrusting going on in this scene. And it's ill-placed. As Allison Grimm said a few minutes ago, it's like Tommy Wiseau's in this scene. Uh, and another note on the scene. In this room were, of course, PJ and John, John Carpenter, Dean Cundy, Deborah Hill, 
and the sound guy jump right in. Now, regarding that jack-o'-lantern in the Wallace's bedroom, which I think that part of the conversation got cut for minute one about who puts a jack-o'-lantern in a bedroom, who lights it. I think this is an outtake, so flashback. Minute one, conversation with me and my sisters, Brooke and Bobby. No, the idea that if you have sex, you're going to die, that doesn't matter. Well, it didn't horribly. Because that's not going to happen. It may have happened in horror movies. People like, do have sex and they do that. Right. But in Friday the 13th and Halloween, they died because they had sex. Debatably. But that is not actually how it happens in the real world. John Carpenter and Deborah Hill both suggest that Halloween is not promoting okay. that narrative. Good. Good. Lori survives, That's not because she's narrative. the one who isn't having sex, but because she's the one paying attention to us around her. Because she's not having sex with boys. Yes. See? But it's not, have sex, you die. It's, pay attention, you don't die. No, but that means if you're having sex with boys, you can't pay attention. Which is what Jason's mother was saying in the first Friday the 13th. Well, those those counselors were off having sex when Jason drowned. That's specific. and they couldn't pay attention to my son. You can pay attention to something while having sex. Like they were carving the jack-o'-lantern <laughs> by the window while he had sex. Why, okay, why are there so many jack-o'-lanterns at, at Because the production could only afford a certain what? amount of pumpkins and they had what? to make sure they kept using why? them. Why? Who puts one in their bedroom by where you sleep? <laughs> I mean, that's a weird place to put a jack-o'-lantern. Why? Especially I if you're, you're yeah, going no. out for the night, you put a jack-o'-lantern by your bed and light like, a candle? No. No, you do put a jack-o'-lantern on the porch. All right. Yes. You do not put a jack-o'-lantern in your bedroom. Unless you were planning to film a slasher film there. Then that means Linda and or Bob brought it up to the bedroom. Or Michael did. Or Michael put it there. Preparing for them after he brought Annie's body in. Preparing for the scene. Michael may have brought Annie's body in. Carved a pumpkin while he was waiting for Linda and Bob to show up. I don't see him carving a pumpkin. Not in the movie, but can you imagine? <laughs> no, but I can't imagine him carving a pumpkin. You that, can't imagine him carving a pumpkin? creates nice He's very methodical and slow in and everything he does. I can imagine him little, doing that. A little shovel job. thing. And he has to get rid of the seeds. <laughs> and then he has to create the design. How do you think he gets all the energy for this? He eats all those seeds. I love pumpkin That's seeds. why he's in the kitchen when Bob gets no. in there. He is roasting the seeds. I love roasting pumpkin seeds. That's why Michael's in there. I can see there. that the oven was on and he's no, roasting pumpkin seeds. I would be all for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be in support of what he's doing because I love those. They're good. <laughs> but as far as I know, that's weird. There's, there's a pumpkin on their nightstand. From the novelization. He offered his arm and she grasped it. Thank you, kind sir. He led the way up the stairs, hesitating before the door to the master bedroom because the door was closed and a light streamed under it and into the hallway. A flickering orange light. Then he shrugged and opened the door. They laughed. On the night table, a jack-o'-lantern flickered. Well, Mr. Jack-o'-lantern, you're going to see some things tonight, Linda said, patting it on its pole. On its pole? Pole. Now, I don't know this typo. It apparently is P-O-L-L. I don't know what she's patting here. I figure the stem. How about this for starters? Facing the pumpkin's grotesque grin, she did a sensuous strip tease wriggling out of her sweater. 
and jiggling her breasts, cupping them with her hands in mute. Oh, in mute offering to the pumpkin. There's some weird phrasing here. Then bumping and grinding out of her jeans until she was prancing before the jack-o'-lantern in bikini panties. Bob laughed, reaching out and grabbing her wrist. I'm jealous. Of a pumpkin? Well, if you're into squashes so much, try this zucchini, he said, putting her hand on the rock-like bulge under his jeans. Mmm, I have a sudden hunger for zucchini, she whispered, helping him unbuckle his belt and unbutton his jeans. His knees began to weaken and he leaned on her shoulders for support. Then when he could stand it no longer, he pulled her to her feet and toward the bed. Bob grinned and sat astride her, kneading her breasts until the nipples were like stones. Her hips writhed under him, her pelvis thrusting, oh, watch out for the ratings board, involuntarily in circular motions. He needed no coaxing, kneeling between her quivering... I forgot how explicit the novel gets. <laughs> Kneeling between her quivering thighs, he slid into her up to the hilt, and her moan of pleasure filled the room with its primitive timber. He wrapped his arms tightly around her slim, firm waist, and she covered his broad back with sharp-nailed fingers. See, this is especially weird that it's explicit, because the novel is written from a copy of the script. The script wouldn't add this much detail even in an earlier draft. That would be weird. I mean, some films, yeah, it makes sense. You'd have explicit and specific instructions for the sex scene, but it's a horror film. He pumped rhythmically into her, her hips stropping him to an awesome height of need and pleasure. Stropping. <laughs> Oh, Bob, I think, I think it's happening, she whimpered. Me too. And that's when the phone rang. <laughs> Bob stopped in mid-stroke, gripped with uncertainty. Shit, not again. Forget about it, Linda said. We have more important things to do. The phone sounded again. What if it's Annie? She'll call us again. And what if it's the Wallaces? If it's the Wallaces and we answer, we'll get Annie into trouble. Yeah, but what if, what if it's your mommy, Linda taunted. Which is weird. Bob laughed. I'll just tell her I'm really into something right now that I can't get out of. <laughs> there, it stopped. I'll take it off the hook. He reached across her body to the night table, where the jack-o'-lantern guarded the telephone and took the phone off its cradle. Now, uh... Production note, of course, in the movie, the jack-o'-lantern is on the table to the right, and the phone is on the table to the left. They're not on the same table. Then he turns his attention back to her. Now, where were we? <laughs> oh. Oh.
can't say the next line. Old Mr. Zucchini's getting soft enough to mash, she said, stroking him with artful grinds of the pelvis. There, that's better. Oh yes, that's better, that's much better. (laughs) He stood in the hall watching them resume their coupling and the desire returned. His fingers caressed the handle of his knife in rhythm to the powerful strokes of the man's buttocks against the widespread girl's body. The voice spoke loudly to him, urging him to act, but he held himself back, anxious to see the climax of their performance. He was soon rewarded. Oh, Bob, I think it's going to happen now, now, now. Yes, 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 Bob cried, nailing her to the bed with his lanky, powerful body. Their voices mingled moans and pants and endearments as they thrashed at the last l- What? Thrashed at the last lust out of one another's flesh. Okay. Then they lay still for a minute or two, the boy's back attempting target for the blade of the man who stood outside their door, breathing deeply but silently. No, not yet. At length... Bob rolled off Linda and groped around the floor for his shirt. He found it and produced a pack of cigarettes and lit two, giving her one. No, and lit two, giving her one. They lay on their backs, blowing thin streams of smoke into the air. Fantastic, Linda sighed. Totally fantastic. Yeah. Want a beer? And the script. The moans from Linda begin begin increasing. They get louder, building to a crescendo. Second thirty, the phone rings. The lovemaking suddenly stops. Linda, shit, not again. I believe that was Bob's line in the novelization. Bob rolls off of Linda. Uh, The script says Linda rises up on one arm. The sheet falls away from her, showing a very beautiful young body. Her hair is a mess, and she is frustrated. The phone continues to ring. Bob, I can't help it. The phone keeps ringing. Linda, oh, and I can't keep you interested, huh? And... In the script, Bob says, should we answer it? He opens a fresh can of beer, chugs it down. Linda says, that's great, now you'd be too drunk to. And Bob says, just answer the damn phone. Which he says in the movie. Linda, well, I can't. What if it's the Wallaces? We get Annie in trouble, you know. Second 50, the phone stops ringing. Bob, just take it off the hook. Bob reaches over and takes the phone off the hook. In the script, it says Linda reaches over and kisses Bob behind the ears. She slowly moves around his ear with her tongue. Bob grabs Linda and pushes her down on the bed. He flips the blanket up to do so, and we don't really see what they're doing. Given the details in that bit from the novelization, maybe we can be thankful or lament it, depending on what you think of PJ Souls and John Michael Graham. Linda starts moaning again, and the minute ends. We won't get to the cigarettes from the novelization bit until next minute. In his commentary, John Carpenter says he gets shy while filming sex scenes. I just read all that, and I'm feeling... Not shy, but maybe a little embarrassed. No, Ed, it's fine. <laughs> I, I think maybe that's why I was doing the scene a couple minutes ago where I started reading it in an accent because it was just easier to read it that way. Like discussion of, the discussion a few times in the show about how putting on a mask and a costume gives you a little leeway to do more. 
take risks. Putting on an accent, you can do a little more. I'm not going to read. I actually recorded that previous section, the one with the accent. I recorded it without the accent, and I didn't like it. So I'll keep this as is. I won't try to re-record it. That is all for Minute 63. Michael Myers Minute is a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find more content at lemmingdrops.com. You can stalk me on Twitter and Facebook at Myers Minute or Instagram, Michael Myers Minute. Till next time.